Hello and welcome to Cinema Joes. My name is Alex and I am joined here today by Noah. Today we are doing a special mini episode called Out of the Past where we take some time to talk about some older movies that we've been watching recently. This is any movie that's been released 10 years ago or earlier. My classic film is coming right on the edge of our 10-year limit. It's a 2007 film from director Frank Oz called Death at a Funeral. I saw this. This was kind of like in my queue. I'd been wanting to see it for a while. It was famously remade. It's set in the United Kingdom, and it's set. It's a British film, but uh, it was remade a few years later with uh, with an all African American cast, I believe. And that one was always considered, as far as I heard, it was considered not as good as the original. And so that kind of amplified like the appeal of finally catching the original film and uh, I recently unfortunately had a, had a death in my personal life and so the night of the wake that I was attending I thought you know what I need to watch something that's gonna lighten my mood a little bit why not watch that so I did and this movie it's very interesting kind of time capsule it's it's a film that stars Matthew McFadden who um, plays the son of a recently passed away patriarch and the whole film takes place over the course of a few hours at his father's wake slash funeral and it's kind of one of these like madcap indie comedies with like a kind of quirky british sensibility uh it's pretty much everything that you expect it's going to be peter dinklage is in it and he uh he plays a very strange role uh, that has not aged particularly well, in my opinion. This is like subtly a LGBT film, but not a great representation of LGBT uh, people. <laughs> Basically, to like spoil the movie a little bit, uh, about halfway through, Peter Dinklage shows up and reveals himself to be uh, Matthew McFadden's father's gay lover, and he like immediately tries to extort money out of Matthew McFadden because he was left out of the will, which is kind of crass to do at a funeral. But Peter Dinklage is such a good actor that he really emotionally grounds those scenes and he really makes that choice feel understandable. It, it, it's saying a lot because he should seem like kind of a monster because of what happens. <laughs> But yeah, and then hijinks ensue from there. Alan Tudyk is in this movie, and he gives a really good uh, comedic performance as a person who accidentally takes a lot of hallucinogens and uh, while he's meeting his newly fiancéd uh, girlfriend's family for the first time. So yeah, it's just, you know, it's kind of small. It, I don't think it really... I think if the movie came out now, it would be seen as pretty problematic um, for a lot of the ways in which... The family reacts to the gay revelation. But for what it's trying to do, it's fine. You know, I wouldn't necessarily recommend you, like, stop, drop everything and watch it. But if you're looking for this kind of movie uh, that was very popular in, like, the, the mid to late 90s, this is kind of a carryover from that, er like, indie film era. And uh, you could do worse. But, yeah, I, it's, like, one of these movies where there's a lot of, like, that guys. Like, there's tons of British character actors and actresses in it. And that's kind of fun. But um, it's like the definition of non-essential so <laughs> Noah how about you what have you been watching okay so let's talk about one of if not the most bizarre film experiences I've ever had so a little bit of background information um I kind of sort of 
partially run the official festival blog for the Nippon Film Festival, which is a Japanese film festival that takes place every year in Frankfurt, close to where I live. And for the past couple of years now, the festival has given out a special honor award to an actor or actress or filmmaker who has a particular legacy or some who's who has a, a really impressive and, and established track record in Japanese film. I think this is this will be like the fourth or fifth year that we have this award. And this year, the award is going to Shinya Tsukamoto. So like I'm going to write a, a profile of him for the blog. And so every year I set myself the goal of, well, I, you know, better, you know, delve into some of these persons like defining movies and roles. His big thing is like he writes, directs and stars in most of his own movies. Uh, and he only very, very rarely appears as an actor in um, other people's movies. There are a number of films that he's made over the years. So the, the movie that I saw for today came out in 1989 it was his first big breakthrough film. It is a cyberpunk horror film. He wrote, produced, edited, and directed it himself. And is was made in super low budget on a very, very, very basic camera. Gets his breakout movie, and it's considered like one of the foundational cult films of the like Japanese cyberpunk horror subgenre. I'll say that in um, air quotes. So, <laughs> how can I begin to des to describe Tetsuo the Iron Man? He came out with a sequel three years later or two years later called Tetsuo Body Hammer, and then made like a third Tetsuo movie called The Bullet Man, almost like about a decade ago. As sort of so, it's sort of like a trilogy, and those three movies are considered some of his defining films. Tetsuo the Iron Man is available with English subtitles. I mean, there's only there's barely any dialogue, but it is available with subtitles on YouTube. It is just over an hour long. Despite that, I had to wait until halfway through the movie and then get a big assist from the Wikipedia page before I had the slightest clue what was going on. Um, so here's here's a basic plot synopsis. A man is a machinery and metal fetishist. And hmm. the the movie opens with him slicing open his leg cool. and jamming a serrated metal pipe into it. Nice. But then an undeterminate amount of time later, he realizes, oh, hey, wait a second. Jamming metal into your flesh is not that great of an, an idea uh, because the wound starts to fester. And so he freaks out, runs outside and gets hit by a car. And the couple in the car that hit him is like a like your average Japanese salaryman businessman and his girlfriend and again like this is never explicitly explained like there are a series of image flashbacks halfway through the film that establish this they dump the body in the river and are so terrified that they have very sweaty frenzied sex on the riverbank cool I'm not making this up but then he gets his revenge by apparently well, first he, the, he doesn't the die fetishist, from being dumped in the river. Um, it's not clear if he dies or like reincarnates or whatever, because like the man starts to realize that he's turning into metal, like bits of metal start protruding out from his skin. Okay. And his penis turns into uh, a giant drill machine. Oh, okay. And that so, like, plays, a, plot, that plays a very prominent role in the fate of his girlfriend. Uh, oh my God. I'll leave you to... I'll leave you to imagine how. All right. So instead of giving it's... us all of the details about this, can you tell us like 
did you enjoy this experience? It was an experience. I mean, okay, this there's no way I can like this type of movie is not my cup of tea at all. I can get behind like horror movies. I can get behind like hell, like just in our main episode, we talked about us. So I have nothing against horror. I have nothing against like cyberpunk themed movies. This was filmed on a 16 millimeter camera. All of the footage is handheld. It's impressive to see how much effort clearly went into it. Uh, like there's there's very frenetic, fast paced editing. There's a lot of stop motion effects of like metal things winding and unwinding and coming together and falling apart. So this clearly took an insane amount of hard work just to put together as a film. And as the man slowly turns into the Iron Man, like he's covered in this suit of insanely random bits of like metal and machinery and you can tell he's wearing an actual suit like he made this actual suit so in in terms of like the effort on display i mean it's certainly far beyond anything i'm ever going to make in my life film wise but it's so the, the quality of the camera is so terrible and the editing is so frenetic and the pace is so like like i said I only got a grasp on the story until I read the Wikipedia halfway through it. I paused it, read the Wikipedia page. And then shortly after that, there was the flashback sequence that establishes why exactly you're seeing what you're seeing. Um, so it's more of an experience than it is a narrative film. Is it an experience you recommend? No, <laughs> unless okay. you know that unless you unless you know that you are really into incredibly low budget, incredibly rough, raw horror movies, like especially body horror movies of any kind. And, you know, there are some people who love that type of movie and they'll love this movie because this very much is that. Um I, I don't know how I'm going to be able to get through the next two movies in this trilogy, though. Why would I, you watch more if you liked this well, so be, little? Because I got to write a profile for this guy and I want to do it justice and like have and like have some idea of what his main filmography is like. So like I've pulled out a few films like I pulled those three movies and then a couple of others I wrote down the list. Maybe I'll watch the others first. Like the first movie is on YouTube and it's not available anywhere else. The second movie doesn't seem to be available anywhere. Like DVDs of it are like a hundred dollars on all the sites I've been able to find. The third movie is very easy to find because it came out very recently. Um, so I might give the second one a pass and I might watch the third one and then see like, okay, so this was literally 20 years after he made this, his first like groundbreaking foundational film. Did anything change? So apparently this film was considered like a very groundbreaking film in the cyberpunk body horror subgenre. That vast subgenre of films. <laughs> yes. So I realized five minutes into the film, okay, I'm very out of my depth. I'm glad it was only an hour <laughs> unless you know you're into like seriously freak, freaked out body horror. Don't watch it. Okay, well, while we're talking about old movies, I just wanted to quick give a shout out to a podcast that I'm going to be on next week where I'm going to be talking about another old movie called Broadcast News from 1989, which is one of my favorite films of all time. And I'm going to be on Manish Martha's podcast, It Pod to Be You, which is a podcast all about romantic comedies. It's really great. It's just getting started uh, and I recommend it. Even if you're not a huge romantic comedy fan, I would recommend it because he's really passionate about it and his guests are really passionate and they kind of They've made me kind of revisit some things and uh, reappreciate them 
uh, in ways that I hadn't when I first uh, encountered them. And that podcast is part of the Talk Film Society podcast feed. Uh, so definitely check that out. Yeah. Yeah.